swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God. Welcome to Movie Mistrial. The podcast where we examine the IMDb Top 250 and anger a million people with our bad faith arguments. My name is Johannes. And I am Raji. Today, we're talking about another film on the list. Ridley Scott's sci-fi horror film, Alien. Alien. Not Aliens. Not Aliens. <laughs> only alien. One. Only, only one. one alien. <laughs> alien. <laughs> alien, the one, was released on June 22nd, 1979, starring Sigourney Weaver, Ian Holm, and John Hurt. Before we do a detour exploring new planets, I have to ask you to leave a review for this podcast on your favorite podcast platforms. That's right. Break all the rules and protocols. Give us a thumbs up. Tell your friends and uh, tell us how we're wrong, how we're right. All the good things, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Hmm. Not so well, much the ugly. Not so much the <laughs> ugly. <laughs> I mean, that alien, just saying, pretty ugly fella. Um, <laughs> what makes you happy today, Mr. Raji? Yeah. I would say that the alien did look like the special, this perfect specimen, a perfect specimen. Anyway, <laughs> what makes me happy? Um, life, I guess. I'm I'm trying to be a little bit better about life, you know, trying to be more proactive in enjoying it. Um, and uh, I think that I've, I'm off to a good start and I uh, will just keep working at it. Uh, generally speaking, life is good. Um, so... You know, that's generally where I'm at. Well, what about you? How, how, what makes you happy today? Yeah, uh, I had a week off and it was nice. Uh, went to SoCal, spent a day at Disneyland, uh, which was great. Got everything done, like, you know, like 18,000 steps. <laughs> um, got, got all the rides done that I, that I wanted to get done. Tried the new ride that they have and yeah, all, all that good stuff. Um, Went to concerts, two concerts of the same band, very different shows. It was interesting to to uh, experience one where, where it's kind of raining. And then yesterday I saw one in the city um, that was more of a standard show. So, yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, going back to work tomorrow. <laughs> and that's, that's always the tricky one. It's like that yeah. moment that you've enjoyed a good weekend and you have to go back to work. I did see right. a concert the other day, a Burner Boy concert, and I think I told you about. Mm-hmm. It was pretty fun, you know. First time in Oakland, um, the crowd showed up. It was, it was nice, you know. I think the only thing that kind of marred it was that the concert started off late. Hmm. But I think it was good music. He moved the crowd very well. Great show, and yeah. Uh, yeah. And so what did you enjoy the most about the concert you, 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 you participated in? The difference was, was there a difference between the two shows? Yeah, they play different songs. So they played, um, it's like an anniversary tour. Uh, the band that I saw was, they might be giants and, uh, they, they're touring with their flood album, which I think is the second album of theirs. And they're, they're a fun band. They put on a great show in general. And they, they changed the set list here and there for between the two shows. Like I said, the first concert was open air outside and was kind of raining, drizzling the whole time. And it was like raining on stage as well. And they were all just kind of like, this is not great. <laughs> but we went, we got through it all together, right? It was kind of an interesting uh, combined shared experience. Um, and then yesterday... It was just very solid show. We were very close. Um, like towards the end, we were like front all the way to the side, but like right up 
bit of front. Uh, the Fillmore is one of my favorite venues in the city. Great concert experience, usually. So it's a good experience. It was fun. People around me were kind of obnoxious, but you know, you cannot necessarily pick the people that are around you that decide to I mean, drink a lot of money, <laughs> uh, drink a lot of money, drink uh, a lot of alcohol and mm. just be obnoxious. <laughs> That can uh, yeah. happen. Yeah, I think whenever you get al- alcohol, it's uh, it's obnoxious city for the most That's part. That's right. That's right. That's right. Uh, so yeah, uh, one thing that is not obnoxious: Ridley Scott's Alien. <laughs> mm, good transition. Good transition. Um, <laughs> it will be interesting to. Probably give. Uh, I think we should probably do the heads and tails first, and then give people a synopsis of what this movie is about. Uh, to be warned, you know, there's always going to be spoilers because we have to discuss the film. So, generally yeah. speaking, this movie, this podcast is for people who've already seen the film. Yeah, I mean, the movie is what, like, like forty five years old now. <laughs> you had the time. <laughs> uh, spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! You know. <laughs> It's not like we're discussing uh, Renfield, <laughs> mm. which I've seen yesterday. It was enjoyable. Uh, <laughs> anyway, let's uh, let's do Quintas. What's it gonna be? It's gonna be heads for me. Heads. I want to go against this film. Okay. Great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because uh, listeners may know, I love this movie so. I get to cruise today. It seems it feels mm-hmm. like, but we'll see. I'm I'm very excited what you come up with uh, against. Sure, sure, I, sure. I had my my thoughts too, um, and there are things, but but I'll get to those in the sidebar. But I think be- that it's go, ahead. go on. I think I th- before you go to that, I, I, I'm going to say like I'm not going to be mean to the film. Uh, this is Johannes's favorite film. Oh, please, um, please. You know, no, 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 <laughs> no, no, no. I'm just gonna state my my opinions based on how I watch the film. It's always it's always interesting when you watch a film for enjoyability and when you watch a film to be able to criticize it. Um, and I think that it brings out two different perspectives. So whenever yeah. I criticize a film, not necessarily being personal, I think it's just uh, a discussion about the merits of the film. So yeah, sure, sure. Uh, to get everybody up to speed, let's hear a quick synopsis. In Ridley Scott's classic science fiction horror film, Alien, a commercial spaceship named the Nostromo is returning to Earth when it receives a distress signal from a nearby planet. The crew is awakened from cryogenic sleep and sent to investigate, where they discover a derelict alien spacecraft and a chamber full of mysterious eggs. One of the eggs hatches, unleashing a hostile creature that latches onto the face of one of the crew members, later known as Facehugger. After the facehugger is removed, the creature that emerges from the crew's member's chest grows rapidly into a terrifying and highly intelligent creature known as a xenomorph, which begins hunting down and killing the rest of the crew. With limited resources and no escape pods, the remaining crew members must fight to survive and stop the creature from reaching Earth. Featuring an iconic performance by Sigourney Weaver as the tough and resourceful Ripley, Alien is a masterclass in tension and suspense with a groundbreaking creature designed by H.R. Geiger, and a haunting score by Jerry Goldsmith. The film has inspired numerous sequels, spin-offs, and imitations, cementing its status of a classic of the science fiction and horror genre. 
And the witness will address this court as judge or your honor. Ladies and gentlemen who are listening to this wonderful podcast, today we're going to be talking about Alien, a single alien stuck in a ship. Um, after a crew got, you know, misdirected or redirected to a what they initially presumed to be an SOS zone. I think it's a it's a very interesting phenomenon. I think that this movie is a great movie for the time that it was created in. I mean, I, in some extent, it is a good movie till today. Um, but there are some tropes from the 1970s that were so visible here. Lots of bad decision-making from the captain all the way down to every single member of the crew. There was only one person who was consistent in this film. Um, the, the lady who was always saying, we got to get out of here. We got to move. Let's not touch this. Why are we doing this? The lady who didn't want to have anything to do with the aliens was the smartest person in the room. And obviously she died. Um <clears throat> Spoiler alert. Uh, but I, I feel like this movie lives and dies on the incompetence of the crew members um, and the bad decision-making um, that generally occurs in films from the 70s and the 80s. I'm not entirely sure this movie would be remade the same exact way as it was done here because the, the decision-making from this film made the whole film uh, lose a little bit of luster for me. Like the decision for to allow the captain in, um, despite the fact that they had a biological organic uh, item stuck on one of their crew members' faces. It's like decision after decision after decision. And it's like, if they had just listened to Lip Ripley at the very beginning and she when she said no, obviously they were... They were Everybody had their own motives, motivations. Ash had his motivation, as you, you could tell later. Um, but, you know, I'm going to stop rambling. I think that, the generally speaking, the movie was less scary than I anticipated it was going to be. I was I was looking forward to a rip-rollicking scare film, but I got a little bit intertwined with the decision-making of the film, and that kind of took it away from me. So that's that's where I'm that's where I'm at right now. Hmm, interesting. Well, Your Honor, Alien is a near perfect film. I feel like that's all I have to say. But <laughs> let me elaborate. Um, I think upon the most recent viewing, one of the things that really stood out to me is the visual design of Alien. Uh, I know everybody's talking about the alien design and to a degree the ship design of the alien and uh, I, there's a lot of merit there. Um, the contrast between kind of the very industrial metal, sharp edges, like tubing and and all that, uh, and the human ship uh, versus the super organic looking rounded you know, no sharp edges, kind of natural um, alien ship. Uh, upon later movies, we we learned that's not even the, the ship of the aliens. But beside the point, right? Uh, we we have this clear contrast and difference in design aesthetic that establishes very quickly. This is these are completely different worlds that we're talking about, and uh, we can expect very different organisms as well. 
the the thing that struck me for a movie made in the late 70s the human tech that we see on the nostromo feels like a logical conclusion or like a logical extension of the tech the space traveling tech uh, that humankind had to go to the moon it's a lot of buttons and a lot of switches and keyboards and whatnot it's like it it feels like a logical progression from from the apollo capsule to you know we're we're a spacefaring species now and i thought that was brilliant uh of course now it's uh, it, it makes sense right because the tech nowadays is very different uh, this movie would not look like this uh, if it was made today but i love the i love the visual design of it and i think it makes perfect sense and grounds the movie in in reality so that is one aspect the other aspect that i love about it is it doesn't have a lot of filler we get pretty much straight to the point we wake up have the distress signal go on the planet get infected go right on the ship we don't have any noise with with like oh my god he got it you know what is this blah 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 we have to get him back no we get right on the ship and that builds a lot of tension and what's even better is that we have two twists i guess technically three twists that come out of nowhere one is the the famous chest burster scene the other one is around ash and his motivation and who he is and then at the end uh, what is presumed safety the shuttle is not safety and that just works brilliantly and then we also have a, a great cast uh, led by Sigourney Weaver and I think it's especially for the time it's rare to have a strong female character that that leads and makes it out in the end and gives us a great performance and it just all works it's it's creepy but it's not like in your face creepy right it's just a constant kind of feel of dread and and what's going on so so yeah for me it's it's a quintessential horror suspense movie um it works so well it looks beautifully it, it looks it looks beautiful and it still holds up and that's why it's the new perfect movie. You know, it's interesting um, in the conversation you you talked about um, the use of the tech as a you know as a means to show like, hey, this is the very end of the like the the point the apex point of what we envision to be space travel in those times, um, which is an interesting point. Um, it's also interesting to me that when I watched the beginning of the film, the first thing that I thought about was 2001, A Space Odyssey. Mm -hmm. The movie felt like 2001, A Space Odyssey. I think the only difference was that after we got that opening scene, things started to accelerate relatively quickly, relatively quickly. I think it even down to the soundtrack that was used in the film, you could hear the similarities. It's almost like they're near identical with just a Hitchcockian violin that kind of gives that that era of suspense that happens in the background. Um, 
it's very interesting that I I was really I I think that was the first impression I had about this film at all. Like, okay, this is like two thousand and one, a space odyssey, and then the movie started. People were waking up from the capsule, very similar to, to you know, very very similar to movies that we generally get in those times. Um, one of the things that I also found a little bit trouble, a little bit of trouble with, was the way they depicted space. It just felt like, you know, they were in their back door. They, I mean, they did some readings. They did some calculations of the atmosphere. They did all of that before they went into the to the planet. But I, it didn't feel like space, right? It didn't feel like space. I didn't get that grandeur. Um, mostly because everything was happening in, in tight corridors. Um, everything was happening in, uh, I think, to drive the suspense. Everything was happening in very tight places so that, you know, you could feel claustrophobic. Um, the sound helped and all of that stuff. But one of the things that I enjoyed about older space films and newer space films is that sense of place in space. One of the things that was generally missing from this film. Um, the alien ship you mentioned was pretty cool. I, I I was I was pretty impressed by the design. No sharp edges. The alien design when they go in and they see the big alien, that was pretty cool. But then it's like the reaction of the crew when they go into the egg, the egg room, and you know Ash is a robot. Uh, oh, sorry, spoiler alert. Um, <clears throat> and he wasn't even among the crew that went on land. So let's even assume that. Um, Ash, who was the robot, was with the crew. You would understand his motivations to go in, touch the organism, bring the organism back with him and all of that stuff. But all of these people were trained scientists who kind of understood the protocol. And at every single point in that, they all failed the protocol. Why touch the egg? Why let that thing clasp onto you? Um, you observe, you do what you need to do, but you don't touch the organism. Uh, and then when you have a person who is uh, engrossed by the, or engorged by the organism, you don't bring him in and decontaminate the whole crew um, and contaminate the whole crew. Um, I also thought that the decision making by Sigourney Weaver's character to stop the countdown because of the cat, uh, Jonesy the cat, was quite interesting. Um, I'm I'm not I'm quite perplexed by that um but i will say that the action scenes were all right one of the things that i really didn't dislike i really disliked was the fact that we didn't see enough of the alien the alien didn't feel threatening um and i think that this was probably one of the things that remedied in the second film um we, we didn't get enough of the alien man i i felt like we saw it taking a nap <laughs> on the space shuttle home. Nobody nobody explained how he got there, uh, but it was taking a nap. We didn't understand the physiological nature of the alien, but we, at the end, we figured out that the alien could survive in space for a limited amount of time. Um, I don't even know if the alien survived continuously, but it's like we didn't get enough of the alien. Um, we got it break out of, this, of the stomach, which was very cool. Um... And then scamper away uh, like a rodent from Harry Potter. Uh, that was pretty funny. 
<laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, I think that the idea behind the film is pretty good. Um, but I think that there's some elements of the film that feels like it's it's stuck in time in the 1970s, like all the bad deci- bad decision-making that horror films at that particular period in time always had. Like, you know, the scary movie where everybody's like, oh, there's a light there, we can escape. But what about this dark room? Let's all go there, figure out what's going on. And they all die. That's kind of how it feels. I don't think that horror films today would fall for those kinds of tropes anymore. So is it, it was a good film for its time. Is it translatable to the time we are in? Without you going, huh, that was kind of cheesy. That's very interesting. That's the question that you should be asking. So. Hmm. I mean, you're, you're right with the 2001 Space Odyssey. I also got strong deconstructed Millennium Falcon vibes of the Nostromo, right? Like we don't have the paneling that makes things look look nicer. It's it's all very bare and exposed. Um, Alien, I think. We don't need to see it that that much. We see quite a bit of the different stages of it, uh, and it's all very going against the classic idea of an alien. Right? The the face hugger is kind of the the more I think about it is it's kind of riffing on fear of like arachnids in a way, right? Um, the chestburster is riffing on the idea of fear of snakes, and it's also shedding skin like like snakes. And then, uh, as we later learn, if we follow the the movie series, the uh, kind of the final stage of Alien of the Alien is highly informed by the initial host, so it's more of a human physique body type of deal, and. I think there's a reason why that didn't show it that much because it does have a little uncanny valley kind of vibes a little bit when you see the body too much. So it's all kind of focused on that long head and the the double mouth. Um, you know, I think like not showing the alien that much is is partially rooted in not showing too much and too often right like there's more mis- mystery if you don't see the the scary thing too much uh but it's also probably based on a lot of just let's not show too much because it, it is kind of wonky <laughs> if you show too much so that's why i'm like you know i acknowledge it's not the perfect it's not a perfect movie right but it's 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 getting there for me the this was shot in London, and I think uh, a lot of Star Wars was shot around the same time in London. So I wouldn't be shook, like I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of the crew, a lot of the the set, and all that, uh, like there's a heavy influence there. And you can you can tell when they show the outside of the ship, like the way that's filmed. There's there's a lot of transferred universal language, I guess that we that we get from that era of space movies what i really like as well is that we have real sets we needed to have real sets because there's no cgi at that point right but it's it 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 just feels so so organic the nostromo feels very lived in the alien planet looks very feels kind of not great 
right? But the alien ship looks completely different, but also grounded in reality. Like it, it feels like something that could exist. It's just all, yeah. I don't, it it just works for me, right? It's it it just works. It's a great movie. Watch it. <laughs> I, I I think I think I think I can see quite a lot of your points that you're making. Um, and I think that it's it's quite interesting. Uh, some of the things that you talked about, the fact that the the ship looked lived in, which is definitely true. Um, I did like the design of the spaceship. I did like all of that. But one of the things that I also want to point out is Jonesy the cat. Was it in stasis too? I mean, what? No, there was no indication of that cat just appeared out of nowhere. Um, and you just use the cat as a scare tactic for a significant portion of the film. Every time they wanted to show the alien, they instead showed the cat. And it's like, you wonder if the cat was just put in there because they wanted to follow the Jaws style of horror filmmaking where Jaws didn't appear until a one hour, one hour, 21 minutes in a one hour, 40 minute or one hour or two hour film. It only appeared for a a fourth of the film. Um, And I feel like this movie was trying to do something similar because the Uncanny Valley was kind of true for the alien. The robot, it moved very stiff. It moved very awkwardly. And I think that most, if you had seen it long enough, you probably would lose all. <laughs> the idea that this was this perfect species would have just kind of evaporated from your head. Um, so I, I can understand the argument about why they didn't show it enough. But, you know, it's it just feels like there's a level of incompetence among the crew members where the cat was not in stasis um, with everyone else. Uh, they could have been gone for years. How, how would the cat survive? You know, questions like that kind of bother me. Oh, I mean, Wayland Yutani is such a great employer that they give you emotional support animals on your long trips. You know, I, I, the cat goes into stasis at the end, so I suspect it was in stasis in the beginning. <laughs> Okay, um, but I, I do I do feel like the the um, the uh, the what do you call it? She still did the at the end of the film. She still did the broadcast to the to the uh, company that hired them, um, talking about everybody and the crew dying and the circumstances of her survival. I felt that nobody have really um, made the the, the company accountable for this film even at the end of the film there was still a sense of respect towards the the company i know all the characters who died a lot of them especially the black guy um who kept asking for money that was basically his role in the film i want more pay uh which is very 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 weird to just continuously hop on as though he was the only one who was not going to get paid um, it was. It, I think that the the lack of the company didn't. It didn't feel like the company was going to pay for the the crime of putting their whole crew in a situation like that. Um, I didn't feel like anybody was ha- angry with the company for making a decision where all except the black guy who was worried about his money and his pay, but everybody else was just going, "Oh man, 
oh shucks and when and when um when uh she went back on the plane and was recording the notes i was a little taken aback like you you you're still recording nice you should be angry saying what the hell company did you see what we just went through here sorry my voice went high there <laughs> um <laughs> so okay um, um yeah Ripley is a character like Ripley, Ripley is a character that is like very by the book. And to me it makes sense that she is the one that's keeping a log and you know like it it's almost like she's trying to hold the company accountable by having a record of what happened in a very just clear and concise like this is the log this is what happened and not like uh hysteria over what happened is just a very like yeah, this this happened. Uh, not great, <laughs> right? But it's it's like there's a record now for them, and hopefully the you know it, it goes through the proper channels. We don't know what the legal framework is of the future, and you know the the world we live in at that, at that point. Um, so I don't know that that feels in character to me too, because she's always been very harping on the on the rules and regulations and. You know, uh, there's a quarantine period, and like we have to abide by by all these things. Um, so it's in character that she continues to abide by all these things. But then she went out of character to save the cat. That's 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 where it all goes interesting to me. She she had already set up the 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 self destruct that gone above the time, and she wanted to go back to save the cat. Ignoring the fact that saving the cat could risk the life of humanity. Maybe. I mean, there's still a human in her. I guess she bonded with a cat. All right. I don't have much more to add to this. <laughs> I guess you can go to the sidebar. And we can talk a little bit more. Overruled. Sidebar. Guilty. Speculation. Hearsay. Bailiff. Briefcase. Disregard. In my chambers. Stop Beaver on the witness. Arrest. We could totally be lawyers. I would have said I enjoyed the film. For sure. The movie was yeah. really, really good. Um, But I, the impression I had prior to watching it was the expectation that it was going to be a horror film. It didn't feel scary. And it didn't feel very action-y. It felt like a lot of nothing happening and then moments of something happening, then nothing happening for a long time again. There's, well, I guess that's the whole point of suspense, right? Basically they build onto it and they keep building and give a couple of jump scares. Um, but I felt like, you know, I was hoping that the movie was going to be more scary than it is. I will say the, the acting was relatively good. I was quite enthralled by the conversations they were having and I think anytime a movie is able to make you emote, whatever it is, except from disgust, which is not great, um, I think that they're doing a good job. And I think that if the the goal of the director was to show you the incompetence amongst the crew members, then they did a good job of showing how communication break down. And, you know, after the movie, one of the questions I was asking myself was, why is she a feminine icon? Um, and because the, in, the, the, I, the impression I had about this was that she was badass, like going to go in there with the guns, shoot the aliens, destroy everything, not scared. 
I just realized that, oh, okay, maybe she's a feminine icon because she was trying to do the right thing and all the men just overrode her and they put the whole jeopardy of the crew uh, in understand, uh, put the whole crew in jeopardy. So from that perspective, I can see why she's a feminine icon because she was trying to do the right thing and men, ugh, disgusting. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I, yeah, my, my arguments against this, against this were very much revolving around this movie is effectively a movie about corporate greed, right? Um, and we, we learned this through the characters that, that feel like they're severely underpaid uh, for the work they do. And then the whole, the whole point of this experience that we have is because this company knows there's this uh, crazy alien, perfect organism life form that they want to get back on Earth to study and exploit. And I think why she's an icon, a, a fem, what do you say, a, a female icon, <clears throat> I think the reason why she's a female icon is she's breaking that corporate mold in a way. Right, she's she's breaking the glass ceiling. She's the one that is reasonable and says we have to adhere to this and not you know to the rules, um, because otherwise, like you know, other people suffer. Uh, we potentially suffer. She's the one that figures out a solution. She's the one that sacrifices the Nostromo and you know all the the whatever. Um, so she's really going against that that just kind of man power structure and that makes her very great. And I think for the time, that's something that was probably fairly rare. So it's great to see that. And she did a great job. So going to weave it. Um, so yeah, that, that, that was kind of my thought. It's, it's more about how societies exploit or companies, businesses exploit, um, people and humanity, <laughs> humankind, you know, for their own, um, for their own benefit. And just from that level, it's, it's a compelling movie to a degree, but it's just, a, that that's just a framing around what we, what we learn, right? Like the, the whole motivation is to bring this alien back to earth, which is insane. <laughs> It's insanity of what we'll learn, how this this alien behaves. Uh, it's even worse when we take the other movies into account uh, that are happened. They're not good, right? But but with Prometheus, that's kind of tied into this. I think we learn that this company is just terrible. <laughs> um, but the but the brilliance is that we already learned that this company is terrible by them being like exploited workers. <laughs> Right, like right from the start, be like this company sucks, like um, for so many reasons. And but still, like the world building is great. You don't need to know much about Will and Yutani, which I don't even know if they mentioned the name in this movie. Um, but just by the by the few sentences they share, we know okay, this is not the greatest company to work for. Um, but 
that leads us into all the stuff that's happening here, right? Because they're such a sucky company. Um, but yeah, so I, I suppose uh, if there was an alien movie made today, you know, it would it would be the meta of the world that, uh, or the Amazons of the world that would would just look for for life forms for for corporate greed. Uh, true uh, that. But I, I think that there was still some exploitation of Sigourney Weaver. At the end of the film, when she was taking all her clothes off and, she, you know, exposing her butt crack, I was I kept going, like, I, if this re- was a man, if this was written for a man, we wouldn't have this specific scene. It's like, what's the point of this scene? This ex- this this particular moment in this film. It was I, I felt like the director also was trying to use the fact that even though we have a female character, she's still uh, feminine and sexy and all of those shindigs. But if it was a main char- if it was a male character, I felt like we wouldn't we wouldn't have had that scene. It would have been him going into the plane, then going, Oh God, there's an alien. It wouldn't have been, oh man, let me take off my shirt, my pants, I'm gonna relax and all of those stuff. There was a little bit of exploitation. Regardless Go on. She was getting ready for for uh, stasis, and in the beginning, we see them wake up in their underwear, right? But mm. I agree that was like very, very. There's not a lot of fabric on the woman, mm. <laughs> right? Yeah. But uh, so she was getting ready for that, and it was like, um, the the perceived safetyness, the per- perceived safety, um, we're done with the the aliens destroyed, and then we learn, nope. <laughs> Psych. Um, so point. it made sense for me, but, but I also thought, okay, they could have given her underwear that fit her, <laughs> and not yeah. underwear that's like two sizes too small. I agree with that. All right, I, I don't have much more. Go on. Yeah, sorry. no. And one of the criticisms I had too was the stupid cat. I don't think the cat makes a lot of sense. It comes out of nowhere. <laughs> I agree with you there. Um, it's not established enough for it to make a lot of sense, and. I also agree that it doesn't necessarily make sense for her to stop the stop the the explosions just because of that cat. Um, and what I also found doesn't really make sense unless you think that the alien is really hyper smart. Is that the alien would hide would would hide and find shelter in that shuttle of all yes. places? Um, that makes not a lot of sense if you think about it, unless that alien understands English and understands the the protocols around self-destruction. <laughs> right? it, was quite compli- it, it was quite complicated getting into that um, hatch. And it's like, I, and I think I mentioned in the criticism, I didn't understand how the alien got there. And when the alien got there, it decided to take a nap right on the stuff. Was it hiding? Why would the alien hide? I didn't understand that whole part of it. Um, but yeah, and then she got very close and the alien didn't react until later, uh, when she had a suit on. So it's like, we've seen this alien being hyperactive all through the film. Then that moment, uh, the alien was just sitting down going, Hmm, wow, our underwear feels kind of small. Um, (laughs) and then it reacted after she got into the whole suit, uh, suit. So yes, I, I, I think that that was a little bit interesting. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, those are my my two cents there. 
Um, the movie's still good. I think that people should give it a shot if they want to. Well, it's terrific. I love the movie. It's great. <laughs> oh yeah, and we watched the 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 theatrical cut. Like, <laughs> yes, I said that in the beginning. Theatrical cut. Uh, we have not dabbled in the director's cut. Um, but so, what would be different in the director's cut? If I could be curious, how how many more minutes did they add to this film? They actually cut out a minute, I think, and then it's just different scenes, from what I understand. Not entirely uh, sure what the difference are. So but the director's they, cut is shorter than the theatrical cut. I think so. Yeah, by a minute. That is interesting. I've never seen something like that. Right. Usually they're like five hours long. But <laughs> Yeah. I'm looking at you, Lord of the Rings. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, what's not going to take five minutes is to leave a review or message us. And for people to do that, where can they do that? They can do that on Twitter. You know, if this still exists when you hear this podcast on at Movie Mistrial and on Facebook at Movie Mistrial and Instagram at Movie Mistrial but they can also send us uh, email at contact at moviemistrial.com or check out our website moviemistrial.com next up Mr. Raji City Lights another Charlie Chaplin joint oh, man. God. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know if you ever watched uh, Black Adder but you know it's a British comedy about uh, a group of men who go through time, or should I say generations of men who go through time. One of them is, you know, Blackadder. And during World War One, he sent a, a telegram to Charlie Chaplin talking about how Charlie Chaplin, I mean, the whole episode was criticizing Charlie Chaplin as the face of British comedy. <laughs> and he sent a telegram to Charlie Chaplin. It was like, Charlie Chaplin, please, stop <laughs> yes so anytime we go into a Charlie Chaplin film I just remember Blackadder anyway so City Lights that doesn't mean I'm going to be biased I'm just going to watch this movie for what it is but I kind of know what we're going to get right yeah silent black and white cinema fun <laughs> <laughs> we'll get through it we'll get through it I'm, I'm sure you know there's something there yeah, it's not too so long, too. It's only 81 minutes. That's good. 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 <laughs> All right. It's good talking to you, my friend. Good Everybody talking to a, you, too. Have a good time. Take care. Bye.